Thanks for being with us. Well, we spent a lot of the show yesterday talking about the federal government's targets and what the government is putting in place as far as requirements to sell electric vehicles and to phase out gas and diesel passenger vehicles completely by 2035. Well, there is a story today in Blacklock's Reporter which talks about the Environment Minister, Stephen Gilbo, using misleading data and inaccurate generalizations in defending that mandate. And joining me to talk more about this is Tom Korski, Managing Editor at Blacklock's Reporter. Tom, great to have you back on the show today. Oh, thank you, Jill. Well, this is very interesting, to say the least, on what the numbers are showing, what numbers the Environment Minister was using. So can you take us back a little bit? And and the, the headline in this story in Blacklock's Reporter is Gibo claims were false. What are we talking about here? misleading data and inaccurate generalizations as cited by his own department. Jill, this is not imperial oil. This is not some vast conspiracy. This is his own department. It's called a regulatory impact analysis statement. It's a statutory requirement. Gibo had his big announcement in Toronto with reporters who hadn't read the regulations because they hadn't been published yet. He knew exactly what he was doing. Gibo made this extraordinary claim. Everyone knows a Ford Focus is cheaper than a Tesla. Everyone gets that. What did he say? I'm quoting him. This will help. This is the car mandate you mentioned. He's going to abolish the Ford Focus and every other gas vehicle in 2035. Quote... This will help Canadians with the cost of living, he said. Once you drive the car off the lot, that's the electric, the saving on fueling and maintenance costs are enormous. His own department says it's baloney. The net costs are in the billions. Hmm. So reporters hadn't seen this. The general public hadn't seen this. these, these statements. Do we know that Guy had seen this before he made the announcement? Well, if the Minister of Environment is not aware that his own department is is about to publish regulations in 24 hours on his signature electric car mandate, then, you know, (laughs) this is what he gets the job for. What what did the department say? They said there is a net cost. Of course there is that runs to the billions, but they don't even know what the net cost will be because there are some unknowables. Average, this is Department of Transport figures, Jill. Average Canadian drives a car just into the ground. Average is 12 years lifespan. What is the maintenance cost on a 12-year-old electric car? Well, no one knows because there aren't any. What's the battery life? What's the replacement cost? What are the insurance costs? His own department knows that in the, they write in their analysis statement, electrics are heavier, the batteries weigh more. That means more impact damage in any highway collision. How does that affect insurance premiums? What happens to electricity rates when 27 million drivers have to plug in their car every night? The department doesn't know. It even says it acknowledges we don't know what the wear and tear will be on the nation's highways when everyone is driving the heavier electrics. So many unknowables, he knew he couldn't say it was cheaper, and he said it anyway. 
And I, I mean, even when you talk about that and the batteries, and we're going to be talking about a story coming up a little bit later in the show today. And this is a, a vehicle that an electric vehicle where the battery was damaged. The price to replace the battery is about sixty thousand dollars. It's more than the price of the vehicle. So ICBC, the insurance carrier in BC, they've written it off, saying, "Well, we're not going to fix it because it's going to cost more than." than just getting a new vehicle. So written it, written it off. Imagine what's going to happen if that's the case when suddenly everybody that's driving is driving those vehicles. Jill, this is why they have a mandate, to talk about mandates, to have analysis statements. I think the minister, this is conjecture, but it's an intelligent guess. I think the minister knew this analysis statement was coming out. I think he wanted to get ahead of it with his own fantasy announcement about how buying an electric was actually going to improve your standard of living. He knows it's untrue. You talk about the What is the average battery life? I have seen some industry data that it's as little as seven years. But as you mentioned, the battery is the car. How many Ford Focuses could you buy? Could you fill the driveway when you're replacing the battery every seven years? What did the analysis statement say? Costs they can't even account for. Costs of retraining mechanics. Likelihood of higher electricity rates. Wear and tear on the roads from heavier electrics. Higher insurance premiums and accidents. Jill, did you know to this day, I, 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 I don't want to sound like I'm ranting. Did you know to this day, the Department of Environment has not totaled the whole cost of its electric car mandate. The only figures that we see pulling from here and there, all official figures, all government figures, it comes to minimum $120 billion. Well, that's about five times the national defense budget. That's staggering sum. Uh, one of the lines uh, in your uh, in this piece as well it's is when and the, the federal minister talked about this during the announcement saying that with the mandate the cost of electric vehicles would fall over time and as you've pointed out according to the the impact analysis that's not true either it is absolutely not true and his analysis by his own staff and his own department says it, he uses the 2035 projection they say plug-in hybrids are never going to be as cheap as the Ford Focus. And they say electric uh, pickups are never going to be as cheap as the Dodge Ram or the uh, F-150 from Ford. Electric pickups are never going to have cost parity by 2035. You know what they worry about is, and I have to uh, give the department credit, Show They're very candid in the analysis statement, which none of the reporters read. They said, if you're working poor, this is going to hit you, and we know that. If you live in rural Canada, you're going to pay for this. This is not going to make your standard of living improved. If you live in the north, forget it. You know what? They just had figures from the Department of Transport. I know British Columbians know this. This was tabled with the Senate National Finance Committee. British Columbia, and in particular Quebec last year, accounted for three-quarters of electric car sales in Canada, because you got two things going for you, hydroelectricity and handsome provincial rebates. That's the deal, Jill. Hmm. 
This whole mandate is built on baloney and subsidies, my two cents. <laughs> you mentioned something that uh, I noticed as well was not talked about during this announcement and really doesn't get a, a lot of attention. And, and I get it that it's probably around, what, 80% of Cana- uh, Canadians, they live in major centres or close to major centres. Uh, we know that a lot of the population lives very close to the border with the states. But what about that other 20%? It's as if they've just been, uh, well, they've certainly not been considered in this announcement because like you said and it's in the analysis this is not going to work for that portion of the population that lives in very remote places it won't and and it's interesting the department of natural resources in particular has done some fantastic in-house research it's the only polling or focus group data that we read because it's the only data that cabinet looks at department of natural resources data has shown the vast majority of canadian drivers have never stepped foot in an electric There's a large minority of them, about a tenth to a quarter, who will say, I will never buy an electric. I don't care if it's at price parity. And the overwhelming perception of electrics is exactly what you just said, Jill. It's a town car. If you never leave town, if you don't do highway driving, if you're not driving out to Kelowna, if you're not a commercial user, if you're not a sales rep on the road, it's fantastic. If you just want to go in, it's a town car. Most people, the people who drive their cars for 12 years, they're not sightseeing. They use those vehicles. You've got to get to work and you've got to get to minor hockey and they're not interested. Hmm. Well, it's a very, very interesting, uh, interesting piece and looking at those numbers from the impact analysis. Tom, thank you so much for joining us, uh, for taking us through these numbers. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Jill, and happy Christmas to you.